right, and we're back, ladies and gentlemen, with another episode of the Pelipod. Uh, switching up a little bit here today, a little role reversal. Um, this is Jonathan I'm going to be hosting, because Jesse, our normal host, he's here with us, but he's not here with us. Explain your situation, Jesse. Yeah, I'm out of town right now. Um, uh, I'm in Nashville recording some music, so uh can't do my normal uh, hosting duties. I kind of had to give Jonathan like a five-second crash course on how to use everything, but it's all working out pretty good so far. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I don't like it. I think uh, <laughs> yeah. you do a great job at this, Jesse, and I'm going to keep you... Uh, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I'm going to keep you do an amazing job now that I'm doing it and see that the setup is a little crazy than I was expecting. But Yeah, it's a little, it's a little tricky. Yeah, but I mean, we'll, we'll handle it. We'll... We've been changing a lot of things here lately, so we'll handle it. But last night, I mean, come on. Tyler and I were able to go to the Rusty Nail last night for the pregame. Tyler, immaculate vibes, am I right? Like, what did you see? How was your experience? And just just talk about, like, the overall current sentiment towards the Pelicans right now in our city. Well, first off, I just want to say it was way more packed than me and you expected. That's for sure. Uh, we were kind of expecting a mid-city yacht vibe, which uh, we kind of discussed about, which Jesse also didn't get to be a part of that due to work. But um, when we got there, it was just packed out the door, outside. And uh, it was really funny because me and Jonathan, uh, we were we were hungry. And actually, uh, Leo was with us uh, from the last episode. Uh, he was with us, and he, he got some shit being a Spurs fan. He was the only Spurs fan there, the only one, and, mm-hmm. you know. He was brave to wear his jersey, but um, we were all like, yeah, let's just go grab something to eat, uh, you know, before the game comes on, because uh, we gave away our tickets uh, to the lucky fans, um, and we went and had a, a good little uh, pregame dinner, and we come back, and everyone's gone. <laughs> Dude, it cleared uh, out, right? The whole, everybody went to the arena, um, but then, you know, some more people started showing up to watch the game, and I was honestly surprised by the in-game environment at the Rusty Nail during the game. It was actually pretty fun. Um, glad we got to do it that way, uh, but I think next time for sure, we're going to we're gonna be in the arena. Um, we just wanted to give fans the uh, chance to experience yeah. it in case they didn't. And shout out um, Ethan, um, Ethan Welch one, so E Welch 6 shout out him for retweeting us and sending us a direct message. So he won one of the tickets, and so did Chris Dotson um, over at Forbes. So shout out to Chris Dotson. He retweeted and sent us a DM, and his name got chosen. Um, just so happened to chosen that he's a writer, and he gave us a pretty big shout out. So that was awesome. Um, but yeah, man, I agree. It was it was packed to begin with. The Pels twelve was in there. Um, we saw Hold the Mayo. He came and talked to us for a little bit. Devin Snow um, told us some childhood stories about Jesse, which was pretty cool. Uh, hearing that, yeah, he did, man. He was sharing some stories about uh, dude, you. That's, that's my dude, bro. We grew up together, man. Yeah, I knew, I knew y'all grew up together, man. I didn't yeah. realize there's like legitimate like childhood stories and stuff that y'all oh, had together. Dude, I, I like, I legit hung out with the king of red beans and rice for the majority of my childhood. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he remembers, man. He remembers. He he uh he gave you a huge shout out and said all good things and also like shout out to him, dude. Like the red beans growing, it's it's really good to see some. Some St. Bernard Parish people uh, kind of getting credit they deserve, man. And hopefully, you know, hopefully we're next um, with that. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah t- and when you bought those PBRs yesterday, yeah. I was rolling by because I was holding the PBR, the, the other one for your boy. And uh, he's like, all right, Stone Cold, I see you. Yeah, uh, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, shout out to him, man. It was nice to actually talk to him. We got to sit down, talk. I mean, it wasn't long, 10, 15 minutes maybe, but he came and hung out. But, I mean, people were coming up to him, buying him drinks, giving him cigarettes. And, uh, yeah, he's a popular figure down here right now. And, uh, yeah, it's good to see him, man. He's overall, he's a good dude. But back to the Rusty now, I mean, dude, the, the place was absolutely packed. And then, like Tyler said, we went and we got a... We got some sandwiches over at uh, Koshan's Butcher. Came back and it was empty. Every single person went to the game that was there. Uh, there was two news stations at the Rusty Nail beforehand. They came and watched the the pregame show and left. Trey Murphy's parents were there. They hopped on the Pell 12 podcast. Um, so was Jake Madison was there. Uh, you saw... Um, a couple of other podcasters that I'm losing, but a lot of popular people up for Twitter were there, like Rel, um, Chris Connor. So, man, it was just just an amazing experience, uh, a really good time. And even after that, man, even though it wasn't packed, there might have only been 20 of us left because we we gave away our tickets. Uh, we didn't realize we had four, but whatever, we gave them away. And uh, yeah, Tyler, what you, what you think, man? I mean, overall, the game couldn't have gone any better. Yeah, and I will say just, you know, shout out to Boot Crew Media in general for getting that together with the Pels 12 and uh, relling them and keeping the community at the biggest level I've ever seen as a Pelicans Hornets fan. I mean, we had our draft parties and, you know, our little get-togethers at Tracy's and stuff like that, but uh, nothing to this extent at all. Um, and I'm excited to see it continue to grow. Um, I just like how inclusive our fan base is too. Um, and even, even though Leo got a couple of jives, you know, he was, he was, he got a couple compliments as well. So it was nice to see that just from our fan base being welcoming and not, you know, that sense of entitlement, like some fans we know, but the game itself, uh, was really awesome. And I think we, uh, we kind of knew how it was going to play out, but you gotta say it was almost like, as far as if you were to write it down on paper, it was almost like a best-case scenario on what would happen with uh, with a lot of the players. I mean, you're talking about uh, – that was possibly one of Herb's best defensive games all season. And you're talking about an all-NBA defensive player, uh, essentially. And he he really locked down DeJounte, um, and he, t- he turned it up for that game. And he – if he was off anyone's radar, which I don't really think he was at that point, he's he's on it now. He's on he's on the national stage. Um, and then just CJ showing the world like, hey, uh, I can do what Dame can do, you know, um, and I can lead this team and I will lead this team. Um, so those are the two things that stuck out to me big time. And you know, there's there's plenty more to talk about with, in, in regards to that game, but just off the top of my head, uh, those two kind of showed. Uh, the rest of the NBA, hey, you know, watch out for us. Yeah, Jesse, were you able to watch the game? Yeah, so I I, uh, I brought my laptop with me out here, and uh, you know, there's no TVs in the studio, so um, had to watch it on my laptop, dude. But uh, I, I, you know, it's it's one of those things. It was such a such a like great moment just to like win that game and to kind of just like. As Pelicans fans, we've just taken so much shit, right, from, like, different fan bases and NBA and the referees. Um, <laughs> but uh, to, just, to, like, yeah. to prevail and, like, have this moment of, like, this true fan base that's coming together, that's sticking together and sticking with the team, you know, just to get that win. I, I don't know. It, it 
felt way bigger than the Portland series to me, or like the, I was, you know, I was at the Western conference, uh, finals game, uh, or, or what was it? The, the trip to go to the Western conference finals or whatnot. Um, but like, I was at those Hornets games and stuff like that back in 2008, 2009. I don't know why, but being, you know, 600 miles away, it still felt huge. And, um, you know, a lot of people were like hitting me up and was like, dude, this dude, Herb Jones. And mm-hmm. like, you know, him doing that on the national stage, it just felt like I think people are going to know his, he's not a secret anymore. You know, people are like, holy shit, not on Herb. That's, that's real. You know, I think, I think that's a good place to start is Herb Jones because a lot of people, when we were bringing up potentially him being second team all defense, which is still tough because he's not considered a guard, so he has to be in that forward spot. Literally doesn't make sense. Yeah, it doesn't because he, he, I mean, who was he guarding last night? DeJounte. Exactly right, yeah. And he was listed as guard. He's been listed as but, the starting shooting but here's guard the deal, when right? the lineup's healthy. Yeah, right. He's the starting shooting guard. But anyway, so he's going to guard DeJounte. He guarded DeJounte. And who's he going to guard tomorrow? Paul George. He's going to guard their best fucking player every night. Like, that's what's going to happen. And I'm just, I'm so happy that he showed out like that when we had a fully healthy team. Um, Albeit Zion wasn't there, but we had our full squad there. They had their full squad there for the most part as well. And Herb Jones stuck out like crazy on a national stage because of his defensive presence. And I don't think people really get to see that from him that don't watch this team regularly. The dude is one of the biggest difference makers in the entire league on the defensive end. And we are a way better team with him. It's the little things. And then last night, he got to show off the goddamn big things. I'm talking about the swats, the deflections, the steals, the fast break layups, the offensive rebounds, the assists. I mean, my dude was all over the court. And if you don't know, now you motherfucking know who Herb Jones is. What a game from him. Um, Super efficient from the floor. But just an absolute pest on the defensive end all night. And I'm just, I'm happy that after that, he's starting to get his due in game 80. You know, (laughs) it took 80-something games of him. Uh, to finally get his due, but he's getting it now, man, and, and it feels good. Dude, this is how I know Herb Jones was good, right? So, for some reason, if a player is very good defensively, like, opposing fans hate that player. They're like, you know, like, think about it, like, Tony Allen, like, Tony Allen, Patrick Beverly, Marcus Smart, like, Draymond. Enders, Draymond Green, like, most fans hate that guy, right? And then locked on Spurs this morning was like, oh, that Herb Jones, I hope he gets knocked on his ass. Like, who mm. does he think he is? And all, and all this shit. And I'm like, dude, that's how I know. Like, he's getting that that reputation where it's like, you hate this guy because you literally have to watch your star players suffer for four quarters. Yeah, did you listen to that, Jonathan? I did. What? That was That was just weird on their part. Yeah, Dude, and, and like first, Herb doesn't even talk is, shit. Yeah, he doesn't. And like he he's like if you watch like I watched the post game interview with him and he's just such a modest guy. Like, dude, show, everybody else is showing up in three piece suits and the dude showed up in shorts and flip flops. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> he doesn't talk that much, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, he was in the moment, like he's having like a he's 
look, here's the thing. Like, people don't realize how hard these guys work to get to this spot, right? And here you have a second-round draft pick who has worked his fucking ass off to get to this stage where, like, you know, he's got 18,000 people screaming his name because of how well he's doing. Like, let that man live a little. Let that man gloat in what he's done. You know, like, he earned, I mean, like, he really truly earned his spot compared to, like, most guys. And, yeah, I, I just hate how, like, people can hate on a player for, like, maybe celebrating for a little bit. Like, yeah, like, no offense, but none of us have ever worked that hard to be that good at something. And if mm-hmm. the opportunity presents itself, he should be able to celebrate. I think my second favorite part about that, too, the first part being her getting his recognition. I mean, I couldn't, I can't, especially this past week, man, I can't count how many number of times that people were talking about Jalen Green going off uh, in meaningless games. Respect to Jalen Green. I think he's super talented, but you can't tell me that the Pelicans would be a better, better team if you swapped Herb Jones for Jalen Green. Like, I, I, I think that's a very false statement, and I think Herb Jones makes a bigger difference. Um, so seeing that this week, you know, I think Herb Jones was getting disrespected because he was put he was being put on a lot of NBA rookie first teams and Jalen Green wasn't, Josh Giddy wasn't. Um, but I think after that night you see why. So it's nice to see him explode in a national stage. Uh my second favorite thing though was the pressure was on and Herb Jones played Herb Jones played some of his best basketball all season when we absolutely needed him to. So that just goes to show you the moment wasn't too big. And man, I think that's a good segue to talk about. We played our rookie trio some heavy minutes um, at some very, very serious moments in the game. We ended the second half with Jose, Trey, and Herb Jones on the floor. And somebody tweeted it. They were like, man, these rookies are letting their nuts hang right now. They were putting it <laughs> on the Spurs. Uh, Trey Murphy with 22 minutes. Jose Alvarado with 22 minutes. Herb Jones with 37 minutes. That's a rook. Those are guys who played college basketball last season. What the hell? And they're all getting 20 plus minutes in a playoff game that we look dominant in? Come on, man. That's amazing. Uh, Yeah, and actually, I wanted to shout out both of y'all on the Herb Jones thing. Uh, so the first one was Jesse because it just keeps coming back to me now every time I watch Herb Jones about what Jesse said uh, on one of our recent episodes. And that's like it's even more impressive what Herb does considering how he's refed compared to other defensive players like Draymond can literally kick you in the nuts and, uh, you know, the other guy will get attacked. Um, but like Herb, you know, gets a little too physical with his guy. Um, you know, three fouls sit on the bench for the half, you know, so he's doing what he's doing while giving space to his man, which in the NBA is kind of like probably one of the hardest things to do in the NBA without a doubt, considering how talented and cause he's going up against the best players in the world and can make their shots on anybody. Um, and he's still shutting people down. Like, uh, that it's just incredible to think about. Like when Herb actually starts getting the benefit of the whistle, how much better does he become as a defensive player? Um, so props to Jesse on that one, and I gotta give props to you, Jonathan. On last night, uh, you were talking about uh, the Warriors style play they were running with Herb and Jonas. Um, and I actually think Jose uh, was doing it too, where they used them um, as a, a backside cutter, and they cut in, and then Jonas just kind of rolls. Um, due to the pressure that CJ was putting on them, they were basically 
send the guys at CJ at that point, and that allowed things to open up on the back end. And they were just almost in the same way like they would guard Steph Curry, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that allowed them to, you know, pass to Andre, who would then pass it to, uh, you know, Draymond for the easy dunk style play. Um, and Herb was kind of contributing to that last night just perfectly. Um, and they just did it a little different every time, and it just closed out the game at the end there. Uh, and that was really nice. So. Yeah, it, it's very it, – I mean, it's like a very common thing that Golden State does. And it helps out because they have two of the greatest shooters in the world. So the players, the defense has to overhelp on those guys on the pick and roll. And then you just give it to your big man or whoever is getting into the middle of the lane. And the big man faces the goal and he's got two decisions. He's going to either shoot uh, that little mid-range or look for the cutters coming from the corner. And Herb Jones is that cutter. And he has been this entire season. And you can just see that that, that plays directly from Steve Kerr or that free-flowing offense where there is a cutter from either wing, um, from either corner, I should say, when the ball gets into the lane. That's the free-flowing offense that we saw at Golden State. And you got to have guys that know when to cut and when to spot up for three. And Herb Jones, last night, I mean, he knew when to spot up from three and he knew when to cut, and he did extremely well. And, um, man, just like, what a what a bright future Herb Jones has and what a bright future our rookie trio has. I mean... What else can I say about Jose? I, I I really wanted him to... I mean, we talked about this on the preview. We wanted Jose to get more minutes than Devontae Graham, and did that happen? Absolutely. So I'm interested to see what, what did you guys see from Jose, and what did y'all two think about Willie's rotation with Devontae Graham and Jose last night? So I think Willie did... I think Willie was able to cater to two situations. One, I think... He gave Devontae a chance to come into the game and make a difference, right? And I think Devontae missed pretty much every single one of his shots, if I'm not mistaken. Um, And then he gave Jose the next opportunity. And look, you're only as good as your last shot, right? So, I mean, Jose comes in, and what does he do? He hits three huge three-pointers at a time where I think we hadn't even made a three-pointer yet besides CJ. So... I mean, you come in, give three big shots. I mean, had a really good steal um, that led to possibly what was the biggest moment of the game when he got that steal, went down court, and then pitched back to CJ for a, for just a, a what felt like a dagger of a three. Um, you know, I you know, look, I, I like Devontae as a player, um, but there's just something that Jose does that just provides like an instant spark for this team and. Um, you know, the fact that he went from undrafted to, to this is just props to him. I mean, like I said, I, I can't I can't say enough about the high character of this team, like these players. I mean, like just guys who just work their fucking asses off. Um and shout out to the fans last night at the arena for like paying that dude his respect. I mean, the Jose chants were great. I mean, yeah, I mean he just you got a guy who's all bought in now, but no, I thought I thought Jose's performance was great, and I thought Willie did the best he could to please both. You give them both the opportunity to see who's got the hot hand. I think Jesse should continue to offer his insight more. That's what I'm getting out of this. That was a very, <laughs> I thought that was a very good take on the yeah. Willie Green situation. I agree. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think I kind of said it last episode. You know, I, I, th- 
I kind of guess Devontae would be the first off the bench because you kind of don't have a choice in that situation for his confidence level and due, the, due to the money he's getting paid, um, kind of had to happen. But, I mean, Devontae played, I got it right here, seven minutes, and Jose played triple that, 21 minutes and 45 seconds. Um, so Willie adjusted quick. Uh, Willie's like, yeah, it ain't working with Devontae, bringing in Jose, and Jose that spark like jesse said with the that jose to cj play that jesse talked about i watched like i'm not even joking like 15 times it and then they got the they got the nice like uh perspective where they're like right in their faces and you just see how like because it's always interesting right when you're watching the game like on the tv and then you watch it in real life and you just see how fast they're moving and how hard they're working to get where they got to get to and you just see that with jose when he grabs the steel and he's just running up the court super fast and just quickly turns his head to the left and just immediately sees the trail man which is cj and cj just like yep got it bang and it's like holy shit you know that's crazy and then like you know we talk about jose and herb and we gotta give a little props to trey you know he didn't make a three but he helped stretch the floor i mean he's seen as a he's seen as a serious shooting threat now at least in the spurs eyes and uh you know he he didn't settle like his first bucket he caught that pass and he uh, challenged, uh, it might have been Pirtle, I forgot who the big was, but he challenged him right at the rim and finished over him, um, you know, and, I mean, just that being there helped, and he fought on the boards. Um, can't say nothing but impressive things about all of them, but I got, I'm most impressed by Herb just because of the level of difficulty of his assignment is just, it, it's, I've never seen anything like it on my team, um and just in the nba like a guy locking people up like especially as a rookie it's just it's it's unbelievable i know people want to say like evan mobley's good but like the shit herb is doing and the different amount of guys he's guarding uh anyway we've already beat that like a bush but jose is probably just as impressive just how he's come in and just knows how to play the game at the nba level and knows how to just, uh, just has no fear has no fear and I, I think that kind of goes to your point, Jesse, about the character thing is these guys just, they don't care. They have no fear. They're coming out there and they're just playing their game. You know, Herb, Jose, definitely Jonas, CJ, BI, like all these guys are going to play their way no matter what the situation is. They just, they're not phased by it. They're not phased. Um, you could have probably said that about BI a year ago, but you couldn't say that last night. Or really at any time the season, really. I uh, man, I couldn't agree more. I don't think, I don't think Willie Green went into this game, uh, with the idea that our bench guys had to get X amount of minutes, right? Yeah. Yeah. So exactly. He like like Tyler said, he adjusted very quickly, um, and like Jesse said, he just read what was on the court, and I think it was very apparent from the beginning. And we, we talk about the offensive end, man, but it's also on the defensive end. Uh, Devontae Graham just wasn't showing up uh, these past couple weeks. And last night, he had an opportunity to make an open three. He had the opportunity to make a runner. Um, and it didn't happen. And then Jose comes in and the sparks fly. All of a sudden, uh, it's amplified because of the crowd as well, right? Like, the crowd fucking loves Jose. So if Jose is making a three, you're going to hear a ridiculous amount of cheers. And you're going to feel that difference. You're going to feel that energy in the crowd uh, more so than Devontae right now. And I hate that that's the truth, but it is the truth. 
Um, Jose yeah, it's just weird that. Uh, I was gonna say it was weird that Willie ran a ten man rotation. You know, I said that was yeah a possibility on the last pod, but you know him, he surprised me with not Najee coming in when I saw Trey come in as early. But it made sense considering Bi's foul trouble, and you have to give props. He's not a rookie, but you have to give props to Najee. I thought he played really well, and you, and y'all yeah. both know, like offensively, I'm not his biggest fan, but. Uh, he put his head down and made some big boy moves last night, and I gotta, I gotta give him credit on that end. And I think Willie just played to the strengths of his team and just rolled with whatever was working. And you know, gotta give him credit on that. And I don't think it's possible once again without, without the rookies and just the young guys in general. And um, to Jesse's point, before I forget it, because I definitely will forget, but I think you, you say like. You said at the beginning of the pod, like, this team is so exciting, right? More exciting than, like, the 07, 08 era, which I'm trying to think if that was the case or not. I was, I was thinking about that earlier. but uh, And more exciting than, you know, our uh, Portland shutout and stuff like that. Um, let me clarify that. What I mean yeah. is this team feels uniquely like us I, I don't know they just feel yeah they just feel new orleans I, I i just don't know what to say about that but that i just for the first time i feel like this is our motherfucking team you know like yeah us. yeah and that, and that's kind of what i was gonna say it's like you know and i think a guy like jose is a perfect example of that he's like y'all embraced me and we embrace y'all and he's just a underdog type dude the whole way just like we are and i think that's one of the reasons fans resonate with him um and it's just attitude to have but also if you just think it from a pure basketball point as far as expectations we actually don't know the ceiling of this team yet we might know the ceiling of the team we have right now but the guys we have locked in i mean the ceiling we know we're not at it like we know the ceiling could be raised when we were at that chris paul 0708 team we knew that was the team at its best same thing with the ad era we knew that was the team at its best at that point because cousins you know, tore his Achilles and was probably never going to be the same. You know, we all pretty much figured that. But this team, you can see the spurs of something special happening, like really special. Um, and I think that's what's so exciting, and I, at least one of the things, I think. And I think your point was another good one. Sorry if I went off topic there, but... Uh, yeah, what the fuck were we talking about again, Tyler? Goddamn. Um, <laughs> the rotations. No, the rotations. But, I mean, I'm, I'm going to just piggyback off of what you said, man. Uh, this team, I, I mean, I love how Jesse put it, right? Like, this team feels like our motherfucking team, dog. Like, this feels like, like, we got them, they got us, they're, they're talking back to us, they're responding to us, they're showing up in the community, the moms and dads are fucking hugging fans and hopping on podcasts, and, I mean, damn, they're, they're making shirts and giving shirts away and giving tickets away, and, responding to people who don't have jerseys on Twitter and making sure they get jerseys. I mean, it's unreal the level of connection we have with this team, man. And that is not even talking about the court. Not only are they connected off the court, but these motherfuckers are showing up on the court. Like, it's one day to, it's one thing for CJ to McCollum to show up and we're saying he could be a potential leader and he could show these guys how to work and he could show these guys what a professional's really like. But you got to prove that on the court as well. And CJ's a fucking dog on the court. Am I right? It's mm -hmm. another thing for us to say, you know, B.I. is the franchise. He's one of the top. He's an all-star level talent. 
and he can go against anybody in this league, and he can get it. There's one thing to say that, and there's one thing to say that he's a hard worker, but he's been showing it on the fucking court, and it's just nice for those things to finally come together after three or four months ago, I'm on this podcast asking why are we even trying to win games? We need to tank, you know? So it's just, a, it's such a nice, <laughs> it's nice, it's a nice narrative to flip, man, and you can, it hasn't flipped yet, man, but you can see it turning. Am I right? Like, you can see it turning. Yeah. We got ESPN guys talking about home games in New Orleans of the shit. We got uh, the Ringer guys talking about how the Pelicans have a top 10 pick and Zion Williamson coming, and they're playing like this. So, unreal narrative change um, with this team, man. And I don't know how we got here from the roster rotation, but I love it. Like, I love it. And... uh <laughs> And I'm just gonna back up what y'all say, man. This this feels like the most fun team we've had in New Orleans in a very long time, and it kind of feels like that Saints team after we drafted Kamara and Mike Thomas. Like you remember, that was a serious culture yeah. change when we released all those players that were good, but but that we really didn't have a need for, or that were giving us trouble. Like when we traded Jimmy Graham, people were like, "What the fuck are we doing?" You know, we did all these other things, but then we brought in guys that fit us. And that team was absolutely I'm, great. I'm going to go one better. It, it just feels like when we drafted Reggie Bush, yeah. you know, like, mm-hmm. that, like that moment, like where we're like, man, like this is, this is a legit team we have. Like we have real players who are actually um, building a winning culture. And I like this. Not only are we going to get Zion back, but I mean, thanks to those booty ass Lakers, I mean, we're going to get a top 10 pick as well. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, really we're getting a lot of talent acquisition coming in this next year. And, and, you know, I, I just, just talking about this team gets me excited, you know, and I, I, like I said, it's, it's our team. We're doing what we want to do. And if anybody wants to hate us, then fuck them, you know? Fuck them. I love it. So we talked about some of the uh, lower minutes guys, usually with the rookies and, and Najee, but let's talk to our, let's talk about our heavy hitters. Man, this is this game and the Lakers game, I think, were our most important games recently, right? I think we can say that. Um, and look who's closing out those games. Look who's doing extremely well for us. CJ McCollum, Brandon Ingram, Jonas Valanciunas. Our, our three veterans on the team played lights out in the fourth quarter, especially Jonas. I mean, we got to talk about Jonas. Jonas Valanciunas, he was mm-hmm. the calm during the storm that we needed it when the Spurs were starting to make their run and I was starting to get text messages like, oh shit, here they come, blah, 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 blah. Uh, hold here- up. Yeah, what's up? I'm, I'm about to stop you right there because I felt like he almost fucking ripped our hearts out when he got blocked by Pirtle. Yeah, but man. The rim. Yeah, he did, but I feel like I feel like he closed out. He was part of the he was part of the pieces of this team that closed out the Spurs. Yeah, yeah. I I just I I don't know. Like, man, that that blew my mind. Oh yeah, that was a like, that was a simple pump fake away from being a, a easy layup. Yeah, and I was just like, come on, dude. It just it just felt like it gave at that moment. It just gave the Spurs so much momentum, and something we can't do on Friday is give the Los Angeles Clippers any type of momentum. I mean, that's just, we're, we're, we're talking a whole different class of players on Friday. Yeah, and we can't go that long of a drought. Six without, minutes without, 
scoring. Yeah. Right, six minutes without scoring. But I mean, yeah, I yeah, I remember that block. That was kind of a heartbreaker. But I think he scored six points in like the final five minutes or whatever to help close it out. Talking about Jonas. Yeah. Um, which was a big deal. Him, Brandon Ingram, yeah. uh him, Brandon Ingram, CJ, and even Herb Jones, I mean, uh really helped close him out. But like I said this about the Lakers, man. That's why you bring in guys like CJ. That's why you bring in guys like Jonas. And that's why you pay the money that you do for them from situations like this, right? For big moments, uh, bringing the team over the edge and closing them out. So we had great minutes uh, from some of our younger guys. But when it came to finishing this team off, you saw the veterans make some big plays down at the end. And I think that's worth mentioning today. Yeah, I mean, it was... As far as the big three, is the story of two halves, right? Like uh, the beginning of the first half kind of came out, you know, kind of how we predicted. Willie let CJ go to work. Um, and not only did CJ go to work, he outworked the whole Spurs starting lineup. I'm pretty sure he, I think I saw a stat he outscored him like 27, 23, I think, their whole starting lineup. Yeah. Um, he, he <laughs> like you said last night, you know, he dropped his nuts on him, you know. Uh, but, uh, he was, he was so cold and calculated and just brought, brought his a game in that first half. And the Spurs were like, okay, well, we're going to stop that. And, you know, this is why this team, one of this team, even when I was Zion is so interesting. And it was like, okay, you're going to stop CJ. Well, now we got Jonas and BI to close it off for us. And that's exactly what we did. I mean, I know Jonas got blocked, but I mean, he went, um, eight for 13 in that second half, he, mm. you know, he just, and what was great is he, like, like you said, like the Spurs were coming back in that moment and he just wasn't phased at all and was just getting to his spots and just finishing with ease over Pirtle. Um, and just went, when they put Jock Landell on him for like three or four minutes there, he just destroyed him inside they just and they knew to go right to jonas every time right there um i'm a, I'm a, pretty awesome i'm gonna interrupt you for just a second sure uh, i just i love that about cj too man when he sees that we're struggling he kind of he kind of puts jonas in good positions like that like okay yeah we're gonna feed jonas right now like we're struggling to score they're they're putting the clamps on us jonas go down low man let's go and you can see CJ almost direct that like dude it's your time big man we need you we need you right now let's go get a bucket and he did that um, in the third quarter, and I think he did that down the stretch in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and I love the way how they set him up, and at least Jonas in the offense, too, is they kind of, you know, did the roll off of him, but, like, get him just to where he can get a nice position in front at what looks to be his spot, which is kind of, you know, not on, not really on the sides of the block, but right there in the middle, and he just comes like a halfback dive powerhouse coming through, and then you're like, okay, he's about to run me over, and then he just will quickly like turn around and hit you with the little fade or the floater and just it'll go in. But, and then fourth quarter c comes and guess who it is? B.I. B.I. getting to his spot. Like we've seen all season. B.I. can't hit a three to save his life this season, but it doesn't matter because he's just that good um, to where like, yeah, actually can't guard him in crunch time. I think I just, I don't think he's guardable in crunch time. And I think he's, I keep talking about it, but I think he's in that Kevin Durant level of, like, being unguardable. You're just going to have to throw bodies at him and hope he, he's he got an off night. And, you know, even even if he's off on the shots, he's going to get the bounce and the roll, and he closed it out for us um, 
in the end. And so, I mean, B.I. only played 30 minutes because of the foul trouble he was in. But all three of them definitely won us the game. But, I mean, just like we said, it was, it was almost like it was storybook written. I don't I don't think we could have read up how that game went for each player any better than it did except for, I guess, Hayes and Devontae. But, I mean, somebody's going to be the odd man out. Yeah, I think the only person who had a rough game that we could say played heavy minutes was Hayes, but I mean he played he played well on Kelvin Johnson defensively. Yeah, really, really yep. limited Kelvin Johnson, and that was a person that I targeted that made me nervous because of his three point shooting issue. You talk about a forty percent three point shooting four, um, going against a team that historically has been bad against three point contest. So Jackson Hayes might have not uh, made some parlay betters happy. But he played uh, really, <laughs> really good defense on Kelvin Johnson, and we won the game. And who's up next for us? Gee, I wonder oh. you taking a shot at there, John. Yeah, uh, yeah, you. I, that's why I don't bet, dude. I can't bet. I was into all those free bets. I won the Super Bowl bets, and I'm done. I'm done. I deleted those apps off my phone now. I can't do it. Uh, nice. <laughs> so, so I kind of have to uh, dip out in a little bit, but. Um say this before I dip. Um, I, I saw online a lot of Phoenix fans were saying after watching the game that they would rather play the Clippers than have a New Orleans team in the first round that could possibly get Zion back. So uh, no matter what, how the season ends, I would really like the chance to make some people uncomfortable. So if we can get that chance on Friday night, you know, I, I think we're more than capable of, of winning, you know. And how poetic... Um, and- I was going to say, how poetic would it be to go up against Monty and Chris Paul, too? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, the old guard versus the new guard, you know. Um, no, I, I, I hope we get that chance. On, and no, but before we can even look for that, let's let's look at the Clippers and, you know, let's take care of business and let's hope Pandemic P shows up, you know. <laughs> That'd be Pandemic nice. Pandemic P, I forgot about that. Holy shit. <laughs> well, anyway. So, that's Jesse. it for me. So I'm going to be logging off, but... Uh, I'll, I'll be seeing you guys on Friday for sure. Yeah, man. Go record yes, this sir. album, man. I can't wait to hear it. All right, man. All right, later. So, Tyler, we got the Clippers up next, like Jesse said. Three-point shooting machines. And mm-hmm. I'm just looking at their previous game. They went 16 of 35 from the three-point line. That's 45, almost 46%. Uh, almost half of their shots come from the three-point line, and they make them, man. I think that's got to be the key to the game for me when we're going into uh, this game tomorrow against the Clippers. If we want to get that eight seed, if we want to secure it, we have to shut down the three-pointers, man. Um, you know, a team making that many three-pointers compared to us, we we make less than 10 per game. That That's a huge difference, and last time we played them, they were splashing everything in our face. Now, credit our defense. It made, we did make it difficult on them, but at the end of the day, man, we, we can't allow them to get open looks. We can't allow them to uh, just take all the air out of our momentum with three-pointers. I think that's going to be the key, man. So that's what I'm going to look for uh, tomorrow night. Yeah, they got to have the most wing depth in the league. Um, which is going to be a real interesting challenge for Herb. I mean, we we know who Herb is probably going to be on, um, Paul George, but it's going to be an interesting challenge to see what Trey and Brandon um, and, you know, probably I, I would bet Jackson Hayes, uh, Larry Nance are going to be tested out there as well because they're going to probably run 
smaller ball lineups um, at some point. But you're talking about their shooters just going through it. Uh, you got Norman Powell, uh, Robert Covington, Luke Kennard, Nicholas Batum. Um, and, I mean, pa- usually Paul George has been uh, – I want to say he's been a 40% three-point shooter the last few years. He's like – he, out of all the names I just mentioned, he's their worst shooter wow. from the three-point line this season. So uh, they have some serious firepower at shooting, but they don't have anybody who's really going to take you off the dribble and create besides Paul. Um, I guess maybe uh, Reggie Jackson probably, yeah. right? I mean, playoff Reggie Jackson seems to be a different animal. Um, these past so, few seasons, it's it's a real interesting, it's a real interesting concept defensively because I've really felt like the defensive weakness of the Pelicans this season has actually been from elite guard play, um, and just tearing us apart in the pick and roll and our drop coverage with with Jonas and just really taking advantage of that of uh, the lack of verticality we've had as rim protectors um, and switchable guys uh, besides Herb. Um, but to see that these are guys who can just shoot over you. Right. And that's the interesting part. So like if their shot is on, I really don't know if there's much you can do defensively. And that's the scary thing about the Clippers. That's when the Clippers are at their scariest. So we're getting Paul George, like Jesse said, are we getting playoff pandemic P, you know, who's can't really shoot. Or are we getting the guy who is going to go lights out uh, from beyond the arc? But not only that, he opens up the games for all those other guys. Um, and all those guys are competent defenders for the most part, too. And the thing is, Tyron Lue coaches a good team. Like, they find uh, they find the right matchups right away. Um, and they're not scared to abuse your weakness. Uh, so... Yeah, shout It'll out, be really interesting. Shout out to Lou, man. I think he did a great job with this team this year uh, in the same boat as us where Kawhi wasn't playing for most of the year and Paul George uh, had a lot of time off. Same with us. That mirrors our situation. So we know what they went through, man. I think he deserves all the credit in the world. They made a beautiful, in my opinion, a beautiful trade uh, at the trade deadline, uh, mostly because they don't have Eric Bledsoe on their team anymore, which is a huge addition by subtraction, always. But, I mean, bringing in guys like Rocco um, and Powell that can shoot lights out, can defend, shoot over defenses, it makes me nervous, man. I remember in the last podcast, y'all were like, who would you want to see uh, if we win this game against the Spurs? And I said I did not want to see the Clippers. Uh, nothing against Minnesota, but goddamn, the Clippers, just that shooting just makes me extremely nervous. Even the game they lost, they were shooting 40, 46% from deep on 35 attempts. So they're going to put up those shots, man. They're going to make these shots. Can we match that intensity? Can we put pressure on them defensively in every other aspect of the game as well? I hope so. I want to see a playoff series here in New Orleans so badly. And once again, it's kind of poetic. We have to go through a Los Angeles team to do it. And if we beat a Los Angeles team, we go against our former coach and our former point guard with uh, our brand new team that's young and upcoming. So, and and I want it so badly that I'm actually nervous right now talking about it, Tyler. <laughs> yeah. Don't be nervous, brother. Don't be yeah. nervous. But 
uh, yeah, I think the key, one of the keys to the game is, like, I don't want to sound like, you know, Antonio Daniels here because he's going to know way more than me on that. Um, and he's probably got some actual good keys to the game. But I really do think that the Pelicans need to continue to play to their strengths and not try. Like, if the Clippers come out firing and they're just hitting on their threes, we cannot try to match them mm. in that area. Do not settle. I thought they did a great job, you know, last night not settling for jumpers. Um, Trey, Herb, and maybe that was something they were told by their coaches, but neither one really settled. And when they did take their shots, it was good, high-quality shots, and they made them, right? Um, but don't settle. You know, we're not a three-point shooting team right now, so don't try to match the Clippers in three-point shooting. You will lose that battle. You will lose it. Um, and we'll probably lose it regardless. Uh, and I would say if we win it, we probably will win the game. But um, I don't see that happening. So it's important to continue to play to the strengths. They're going to try to take advantage of the, you know, what their strengths are against us. We can do the same to them. I mean, they don't have a guy on their team unless they go throw one of the bigger guys who can really get in the way of TJ, you know? Right. Um uh, Bi, it's like I like I said when he gets to his spot, he's pretty much unguardable at this point. Um, I don't see why the Jonas matchup still can't work. You know, with CJ and Jonas in the pick and roll right now, um, with the way that's looking and the way uh, we have our current guys playing on the wing, we can still play to our strengths going off the Spurs game. I don't. The only thing you have to worry about is really their shooting, and if their shooting is not on, you can win this game hands down. Yeah, which is why I'll take the Clippers. Uh, personally, I'll tell you who's going to be a key. And you said this for the last game, but who's going to be really key in this one? I think it's going to be Jackson Hayes. Yeah, Jackson Hayes is like the X factor, man. Like if he comes out and he can, he can be that wild, like dude, almost like a wild horse out there, just going insane. Uh, then he, <laughs> he can make a huge difference early too, right? Because they don't really have a, somebody that's going to match up with them. Zubac's going to have his hands full with. Um, you know, uh, Garden Jonas. So who does that? Well, because Marcus, well, yeah, Marcus, that... the, the other Morris brother is a legit stretch big. He's right. a le- so he's gonna have to be out on the perimeter. He's gonna have to be in the perimeter, uh, but at the same time, he's got to guard Jackson, right? So like, that yeah. might open some things up. He's a smaller wing. I mean, a, a, he's a smaller four out there, and not as athletic as somebody as Jackson Hayes does not play above the rim at all. So potentially, yeah, I would say most of their team isn't doesn't really have that level of athleticism anymore. Right. I mean, a lot of these guys are on the back, you know. Yeah, well, this team. I say a lot of them. But the more athletic ones like Serge, uh, like Nicholas Batum and stuff like that are on the back end of their 30s, aren't going to be slamming on, on your head yeah. anymore. But um, I said that you know, this they're, team. They're this, disciplined. This team was set up to win the bubble. I really thought that. I thought COVID messed up the Clippers mm-hmm. the most out of any team in the league. Maybe you can argue Milwaukee. They were tearing through the league, but. They were they had Eric Bledsoe at point guard, so it didn't matter anyway. But yeah, the Clippers. Um, you're right, man. A lot of veteran guys, but at the same time, they, they all a lot of those guys have a lot of playoff experience too, and we don't. But I agree with you, Tyler. Um, just I'm not gonna beat a dead horse. We already talked about all of our positive with the Lakers games. I mean, with the um, the game last night against the Spurs. I think those same positives probably pop up in this game, right? The same strengths probably pop up. We got a rookie trio off the bench that's ridiculously energetic we have our veteran presence um with Jonas B.I. C.J. we have uh, a couple of savvy guys off the bench like Larry Nance 
and Najee Marshall. The only guy that really didn't make a big difference offensively was Jackson Hayes. So, you know, we, we know what's there. Um, we saw the playoff rotation against the Spurs. I think it's going to be extremely similar uh, against the Clippers. And if we execute as well as we did for three and a half quarters with the Spurs, um, we're going to win, man. We're going to win. And I hope that's the case. And I'm feeling good about it, especially because where we're going to be at for this one. Where, where we're going to watch uh, this Mid-City game Mid-City Yacht Club. And what happened last time we were at Mid-City Yacht Club? We won. Beat the Lakers. We filled our fucking pouch with fish. Filled our pouch with fish. And I think that's going to happen again, man. And I think so. I'm very, you know, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. I'm cautious. I'm not making, you know, we're not making predictions on this show. <laughs> I was trying to turn this back into a prediction pod. Come on now, dude. This is the Pelly pod, not the prediction pod. But uh, with that in mind, I really hope we get pandemic P instead of playoff P. Although they seem to be the same. A lot of so P's, almost, a lot of P's being thrown They right almost here. need to run them off the line like you don't really so. want to do that in the nba because dudes are so skilled like just getting to the rim in general and it, it can really put your bigs in foul trouble and really just start to break down the defense but um who did rotation we, wise but we did that against the lakers willie green came out and even said that was a game plan do you remember he said you know we were trying to run lebron james off the three-point line. And he was like, normally that doesn't sound like that's something you want to do, but he was splashing those threes. So we have that in our game plan. We've seen it before. If they're making their threes, man, we, we've we been in a position where we've had to adjust and run people off the three-point line. So that is a possibility. You're right. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of strange. It seems like the NBA has kind of gone away from the, uh, the shoot-or-die offense that the Orlando Magic and our former head coach, Dan Van Gundy, made mm-hmm. so famous. Uh, but it really feels like the Clippers are that team in the Western Conference. Um, it seems like they rely on their shooting more than most just because they have really good shooters, first off. kind of Kind of remind me of the Jazz last year. Like, the Jazz were just so damn good uh, just from one to five uh, and just made every shot they took. Uh, that they were dangerous, and I think that's the reason why the Clippers are where they're at. It's just because they have so many guys whose shot aren't bothered by it. I, I mean, we just keep repeating ourselves. That, that's just going to be the key to stop yeah. the Clippers. So we got to stop the shooting. Uh, I'm not too worried about other aspects of the game. I don't think they're that great of a defensive team. Um, I think they can. I think they have guys that can play within a game plan, but I'm not particularly scared of them on that end, especially with uh, the way our offense is clicking right now. Yeah, I know, man. I um. I'm I'm excited, man. I really am, and it's just been such a fun. Regardless of what happens, man, it's been such a fun season. Uh, we you know we finally have a setup here in the podcast where we can do this more regularly, and I love talking sports, especially the Pelicans with you, Tyler, and especially with Jesse. It's just I we all live extremely busy lives, and for what forty five minutes an hour, like all of that just kind of goes away, and I'm I'm totally focused and and totally present on what's happened with the Pelicans. And it's it's extremely fun and extremely uh, therapeutic in a way. And it's brought a lot of joy um, to a lot of people's lives this year, including my own. So if that continues tomorrow, I'm super excited about that. And I really hope it does. Um, if it does not, I, I mean, I can't help but smile about what happened over this past season. We'll definitely do a, uh, a post pod. Uh, 
are definitely trying to get consistent. We have some good off-season plans regardless. And, uh, I mean, I just want to ask you this real quick, Jonathan. Mm -hmm. Win or lose, like, you have to feel good about the team, right? Like, probably losing would be disappointing. We'd probably blame somebody, you know, get pissed off at first. But, like, you'd have to really put the season in perspective. Win or lose tomorrow, like, here's the, uh, it's a pretty damn good Here's season. the thing, too, Tyler, man. I don't think I've seen, like, if the season ends tomorrow, which I really hope mm-hmm. it doesn't, but if it does, I don't know if I remember having this much hype about a team ever. Uh, even after we I'm won. I'm I'm going to be too optimistic. Yeah, but I mean, season, yeah, like we, I we're always, we always are. Um, and yeah. then, uh, some <laughs> asshole Lakers fans are going to retweet us in uh, three years down the line about it, but whatever. Um, no, man, I'm just trying to think, like, even after that Western Conference Finals with CP3, I think, like, we traded Tyson Chandler for Emeka Okafor, and, you know. Well, that, no, I was pretty excited after that one, because we got James Posey. I thought yeah. I going to be, like, the missing piece, and boy, was I wrong. But you started to, uh, but, I don't know, This that was kind of like, it was a different, it was just different, right? Um, and after mm. we swept the Portland Trailblazers, like, we lost Boogie Cousins, we lost Rajon Rondo, you know, we weren't as hyped as we probably could have been if we retained some of those players. I felt but like I mean, we were getting there in the boogie year. I yeah. felt like the boogie year was like a cli- like it was approaching what we hit right now. Like we were going if Boogie doesn't get hurt, I think we're there as a fan base, right? But then Boogie gets hurt and then the casuals drop off. The bandwagon drops off. The team has to rebuild. AD's gone to go, you know. Yeah, yeah. Do his thing or whatever. But and then it's just kind of got to reset. And then COVID hits. And then David Griffin's trying to sell his cars. And it's I just, know, man, that team was fun though. You're right. The before that, never, like, like we had every like every time. Yeah, had, like Miratic was like a very fun yep. story. You had Drew, yep. you had AD, you had Boogie. Because we had this, we had the slogans like Miratic's thing was like he shaved his face, and yeah. like everybody was trying to get him sponsored by Gillette. Like we were, we were doing the same things, you know, and we had that winning culture. But like, I think in the back of our minds, a lot of us knew it probably wasn't gonna last. It wasn't sustainable, you know. Yeah. Um, and it, it wasn't sustainable, and we just could never just we kept hitting it, hiccup after hiccup. Awesome thing with this team, is these guys are locked in. Like under contract, committed to the franchise on a personal and financial level. Like, um, they're all young. Like, that's another huge thing. Like, oldest player on the team is CJ and Jonas. You know, CJ's thirty years old. He's not he's as old as me. You know, he's not he's not old. Um but and they just it feels like it's coming together and you just you really just praying that you can see it with Zion on the court. Because if I, I don't want to keep talking about that, but you know, I want to focus on the team for tomorrow. But that potential is there. That's all I'm gonna say. Yeah, man, I'm excited. We can't do a giveaway for this one because uh, it's in LA. But I'm just gonna once again give a shout out. Uh, <laughs> once again, give a shout out to Chris Dotson. Um, his Twitter handle is doing it Dotson, D O D S O N. Give him a follow, man. He's awesome. He writes for Forbes. He's the one who did the, he did those pretty big articles about, uh, with the Pelicans front office and the future yeah. of the front mm-hmm. office. Yeah, like the future of the Smoothie King Center and Valley Sports and a lot of those things he covered. He really he he did an amazing job with that. And 
Shout out to Ethan Welch. His Twitter handle is E Welch, W E L C H O six. He won those other two tickets that he was bringing his girlfriend out there. So in my book, those 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 guys who won the tickets are good luck. And if we have a giveaway again, um <laughs> I might choose them. No, I'm playing. I won't choose them again. But no, yeah, they, I, I'm I'm happy that they, they enjoyed the game. Um, yeah, Dotson Dotson actually had a good on that article if anyone was interested to go look up if you were wondering why the atmosphere wasn't a lot like you know, it is in the Saints game, which was a big thing. People were actually actually addressed that in that article, and that's something the team wanted to do, but the NBA wasn't allowing, mm-hmm. um, essentially. It was some insightful stuff, it was I good thought, stuff. when I had read it. Um, but, yeah, I'll, I'll do this giveaway, Jonathan, since you were uh, so generous with that, uh, with that card last night at the Rusty Nail. Mm. Um, the first uh, three people to come up to me, I'll buy, a, I'll buy them a beer on me. We gotta. We have to. We have a beer. Come up and mention, hey, you know, uh, listen to your pod, and I'll get you a beer. We don't have like. We have to put like photo of uh, photos of ourselves on Twitter more because we have the little drawings of us. But I don't know if people are gonna recognize that from our from our drawings that we have. But dude, what are you talking about? I look just like that. I mean, uh, yeah, you're an attractive guy. You have an attractive (laughs) cartoon on here, but uh, we need to. uh, Yeah, people people don't recognize us, and that's fine. Because we have a blast doing this regardless. But anyway, if you do I'm see a, us. I'm aware our shirt. Yeah, we have to get new shirts, though, because that's our old logo. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. That's true. I'll see if I can I can see, I, I can see if I can work on something. I might be able to do something super quick with a screen press. We'll see. Anyway, we will see everybody tomorrow at Mid-City Yacht Club. I'm excited. Come through. If you recognize Tyler, uh, he'll buy you a drink. and it's I'm, gonna, s- I'm 6'2", so. Okay, just, right. Okay. Walk to the tall guys and just ask if they're Tyler and just keep going until you get to me. And then I'll be like, no. And yeah. that way I won't have to buy you a drink. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm and just I, kidding. I have a really big chin. So I'll ask Yeah, out look a for bit. a big chin and a, and a tall guy. And yeah. that's us. That's us. That's us too. Well, anyway, dude, I'm looking forward to it, Tyler. This has been fun. And yeah. hopefully we can do a post pod uh, after the game. And hopefully it's a positive one. All right. All right, See man. See you then. Later.